1: They were O'Driscoll, oh,
0: Corgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald. Oh, Fitzgerald is coming back inside! <laughs> Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the left-wing independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined as always by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Hey Will, how are things? Doing well, doing well. I have Euros fever. Just watched two games. going to be watching my third after this podcast. Watched two yesterday. What, what a time to be alive. Yeah, I think I might
1: switch careers to, uh, <laughs> to be a journo. Um Yeah, no, I've got caught uh, parts of it, actually. Yeah, my hours are pretty weird at the moment, but um, or having for the last couple of months at least anyway and um yeah it looks like uh, that that france game i caught a bit of that that was probably the most i've caught of any of them that was a, a decent game um hard to watch pogba um play so well for france sorry i know where i we completely digress from rugby but <laughs> on the subject yeah the you know, united supporter clearly but um yeah no so you're watching all of it anyways you're busy busy with all the sports
0: well i was going to say if anyone's listening in the Irish independent, i've been flat out working it's been on in the background i haven't <laughs> just had up, you know uh, watching it checking my accumulators and whatnot uh that's the official line anyway delighted to be joined by rory o'connor as well rory how are you getting on Good thanks. Good thanks. And Roy, there's plenty of news to talk about this week. There's a couple of things I'd like to get to you, with you and Luke. But but first, the United Rugby Championship, the latest iteration of what's been the Celtic League, Magnus League, the Rabo, the, the Guinness Pro 12 and Pro 14. We've now landed on the United Rugby Championship. 16 teams. The four big heavy hitters, which had been flagged, obviously with the Rainbow Cup joining, uh, you know, in full from next year. What are your initial thoughts of the, of the announcement and the various parts of it?
2: Firstly, well done, Will. We got there in the end. How many takes was that?
0: That's a but third <laughs> take. Yeah, I might have called the United Rugby Championship two different names before we yeah, got
2: there. Yeah, I, I had a panic last night. I made the same mistake as you. I, I, I sent my back page story when I after I interviewed Mick Dawson, and at about 11 o'clock went, oh God, did I call it the Ultimate Rugby Championship? So,
0: That's a good name, though. I might TM that for
2: myself in case I needed yeah, it. <laughs> it's going to take a while. Yeah, the URC. Um, I think it's like if, if you were starting from scratch, you would never design in this tournament. But from where we were, uh it's a it's a marked improvement on on what we had i think um the slip the so it's, it's 18 teams uh it's less sorry 18 matches 16 teams 18 matches nine home, home nine away quarterfinal semi-final final um it makes sense from that point of view certainly the championship itself makes sense i think it's going to be the addition of the force that african teams will make it more competitive will make it more interesting you know it would be really it like I'm looking forward to seeing the Blue Bulls play against Teresa this week in the in the Rainbow Cup final, just to see how good they are, because they've been they've been very good in the in the South African conference. Um I think the tournament itself will be more interesting. I think there have been weeks where we like you know barely touched on the Pro 14 action from the weekend before because all the internationals are rested. There's no games during it during this northern hemisphere international windows, and that's can only be a good thing for from a competition point of view, because you have a better Lancer team against a better Ospreys team or, or whoever. And we've seen it actually in the last couple of weeks. Those games are good when you get the Welsh have been, the other teams were terrible during the Pro 14 season. But during the Rainbow Cup, when they were close to full strength, those have been decent games. Like Munster Cardiff was a great game a couple of weeks ago. So, um, yeah, the only drawback I think, and we'll probably come to this, is the fact that they've taken away the meritocracy from the European uh, qualification. And in particular, from an Irish point of view, it seems to punish the four the four Irish provinces. Certainly Connacht and Ulster this year would have been below Munster and, 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 and uh, Leinster and possibly would have missed out on European qualification, whereas they're actually the four best teams in the competition. So now it's gonna be done on a country conference base, um, uh, basis. And that I think is a bit of a weakness. It's only for two years before it's reviewed, but certainly um, like I think Europe should be earned basically over the course of the season and someone who finishes on less points than someone else shouldn't get in ahead of them Mm.
0: yeah that's probably one of the big things people are talking about Luke from from a negative perspective but from the positives that Rory touched on as well like what what how are you feeling after the announcement
1: yeah I like it uh you know I think it's needed a freshened up as you said there's been a couple of iterations of this so you know and we're 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 getting into you know you know we're almost a double figure. Let's say if not, they're close-ish at this stage. I I think this is nice. I welcome the the, the South African teams. I think it works better for them. Uh, hopefully, it'll capture an audience then there. I mean, you always see you know big stadiums then there with you know not massive crowds at at, at those games, and I think um that's a bit of a waste i think there's a big resource there you know in terms of South african rugby we know the power they have the quality they have you know if they can be in a better model that suits them um you know i think that's that's great and i think that'd be a great addition to a competition that has struggled uh with credibility because i think yeah we talk about the clash of players but they don't often even in the big games you know the big derby matches play their internationals (laughs) you know that has to happen now you know, we've I've been moaning about that for ages. I'm saying, like Leinster Munster, you know, if the the away team oftentimes won't pick a full team, uh, and that's not right. That's not good for the spectators or the players. I don't think so. Um, I think it'll force people's hands in that respect, um, and that's very positive. And I think the South African teams will definitely be a positive because we've talked about the Irish dominance is not right. It's it makes us. Um, Oh, it makes it a bit drab to watch. There's points in this points of the season where we're talking about it. And I'm thinking, cheese. Are we still talking about this? This is like a it's it's, it's a foregone conclusion. Leinster haven't lost a game, you know, in a season and a half or something like that. That's not right. So, um, I'm excited about it, and I think it'll be really good for the competition. I think the meritocracy thing, you know, just to to touch on that, I would like to comment on. It. I, I think it is important that we get engagement from all the jurisdictions that are in 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 the competition. Does it sit well with, with 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 me that it's not based on how you perform during the season or, t- or totally based on that? Probably not. But I don't know how to marry the two because you do want to get buy-in from all these places and you do want to be able to develop the game in these places by getting them involved in the business end of the competition Um, where it's probably really going to hurt are the likes of Connacht. And you said it probably, you know, Ulster and Ul- Ulster and Munster will probably be a little bit tight, but... Uh, I think Connacht now might really feel the bear the brunt of this, and they mightn't see Heineken Cup despite you know I think being in a good position of being stronger than lots of other teams in the competition at the moment. Uh,
0: Connacht are a team that have been completely shafted, really. Like, like if you're being, I, know, I know they had some good away wins in the interpros this year, but if you're going by traditional the way the provinces tend to finish, and you say Connacht, if you take their counterparts, say in Scotland, Edinburgh perhaps, like Edinburgh will have Zebre and Treviso home and away, Connacht will have Leinster monster and Ulster home and away so even from that point of view it's quite difficult yeah
1: yeah and that's that's a really that, that'll really hurt um you know but at the same time like you know it's still they still have a fighting chance against yes it's a tougher draw but they still have a good chance to to get into the competition um you know and they they i think you still have a still have the opportunity provided you play yes they're better teams but just, you know you still have to beat these teams if you want to win the competition anyway so yes it's home and away um but um yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm a bit torn on that one. I know all the Irish provinces voted against it, but um I am a little bit torn on that one because I do think we do need to see and expose some of those other countries to the to the, the business end of the competition. Like they're nowhere near it and they've never really progressed through. So that's not good. That's not good for the game either. And we're always talking about how poor our opposition is. You know if they're never in those positions, they never grow. Um, uh, and then uh, you know, I think the competition suffers off the back of that because they're good players. All go well, you know, there's no point in staying in Edinburgh or if I'm not going to ever get to a semi final of or a quarter final of the Heineken Cup and really develop my game and expose myself outside of international rugby to top class rugby. So, um,
2: uh,
0: just, just to come in on the meritocracy thing again, I think it's a slight red herring in the fact that, like, you know. It's not like the old days where Italy were guaranteed a spot. Like no Italian team is gu- like realistically a Scottish team and a Welsh team almost every year would
2: qualify anyway. Like so, the idea that it's kind of changing it completely. Like well, not with the South Africans though. No, like so, no. what they're worried about is that the South Africans and the Irish will basically get top eight spots yeah, and take all the Europeans. Yeah, that's yeah. uh, Now I think it's unrealistic that that would happen because there's always at least one good Welsh team and at least one good Scottish team. And last year, this last season was a bit of an anomaly where the top four teams were the Irish, but. In one way, I think you need to give them the, that kick that they need to get better themselves. Because if you hand it to them on a plate and European money and, and European involvement, then like there's no incentive on them to get better apart from the fact that they'll probably get hockeyed in Europe when they get there. So, um, I, I I do think that the top eight teams in the league should qualify for Europe. I, I just think that's that's that should be a basic requirement. The, yeah, the, the problem they all have is that they, they feel like they're handing their European spots over to these South African teams who, who are coming in. Now, I don't think all four of them are that strong. I think the Bulls and the Sharks are, are very strong. The other two will take a while to kick in. But there is potential because of like the bigger stadiums, the bigger fan bases. They're coming from a bigger country. Now, the, the, it's a country with, with a, a terrible exchange rate and most of their players playing overseas. But and this is a bit of a fear of the unknown for the Welsh, and the Scots in particular, that you know, in two years' time, when they're voting for this again, hopefully they'll just reset it and, and it'll be just on a, on Irish. Well, it's interesting to see Mick Dawson say that it has to be unanimous, I think, in two years' time. So if the Irish veto it, then that's it. Yeah, he didn't go into that much detail with me on, on that, but he did say it was basically it was his assumption that we'll go back to meritocracy too. Oh minutes. yeah,
0: I thought I read in one of the quotes, set of quotes, that's what he said. Um, it's interesting you were mentioning uh, the overseas element. I like just looked at the Springbok squad. They, they he picked a forty-five man squad for the Lions. <coughs> excuse me, and only twenty-one of them are playing amongst those four teams. So over half are currently either overseas, there's one or two with the Cheetahs, who obviously aren't part of this foursome. Just interesting. So it'll probably be some new faces that people will get used to seeing. And that's not to say they're not unbelievable players as well. I'm sure a lot of them are and will come to the fore. Rod, one thing I would like to get your opinion on is the idea that with the slightly less amount of games that the internationals from Ireland anyway will be playing more in this league. I, why would that be the case? Like They have a set amount of game time. Why would having three less games during an international window that they wouldn't be playing in any way mean that they would play more in the Pro 14?
2: Well, I mean, there's no clash with the international games so i mean even your, your ireland squad players who didn't get many minutes in the in the six nations a lot of them will be will be kept in camp for a, for a weekend when um so when when you when like so they'll still be saying playing the same at the games but with less games you just have less games where there's, where, where there's less internationals if you know what i mean and i think you'll have stronger teams i think it will probably result in 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 smaller provincial squads so i don't think we'll see leinster playing 60 players next season if there's only these 18 games and there's a there's a big question to be asked about what do you do then with the wider squad. And you know, there's a lot more windows there. The B and I Cup is gone. and um, these provincial A games that they start playing now are, are um are fairly worthless in my opinion. I think there's a there's an opportunity there. I don't think they're going to take it this year, but there's probably an opportunity to try and engage with the clubs and, and try and get players playing regularly at club level. And I think that will be great. Yeah, I don't like there's not gonna be an increase in actual games that the number of games the Ireland players play across the season, Johnny Sexton will not play more than like four or five of these, these games, but other players, like there's just less games for them to miss, I guess is what, is what I mean. So there's not like the the kind of those, those really bad games around the six nations. Not, not, no, they're not always bad games, but there's often games where there's just no frontline players in either squad. And I think it does devalue the, the, it,
0: it does, it, but then it's also like a good opportunity for the young players because I because I did see a lot of people putting that out. Even I think that Martin Anyo when he was saying, "Oh, the less games mean we'll have more internationals playing." And I was just thinking, but why? I just I know the well, point. I think, you're making I, think there. I
2: think what you need what you need is a development tournament rather than 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 this. Your your, your blue chip tournament should have your best players playing in it as much as possible, and it should be the best team. It shouldn't be like Lencer I've I've been really good at the Pro Fourteen level for years because they've got the best squad. And the best squad carries them across that 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 twenty-one or twenty-two game season and gets them at the best seeding at the end of the season and then they're the best team in the knockouts and they're generally at home and like I I think that the, the tournament would be better if the best players from each team are playing against them, each other more regularly and then I think you need to put in something like a BNI Cup or a, like a, a Pro Fourteen Cup that you play in those windows where the young guys can play against the best players from other provinces and other other countries or you ha- or you kind of come up with a miter ten style. Uh, AIL during that period where the best Irish players go into the mix there and they play against each other. I'm not sure what the perfect model is but I do think the Pro 14 or the ultimate, no, the Union, the United Rugby Championship needs to be like, like the Premiership is not a development competition. I know people slag the Premiership but Sean O'Brien was was quoted this week saying, I couldn't believe how tough this league is. Like, the this should be a challenge every time. It should be box office for people. It should be selling out games like the get the, a lot of those games don't get good crowds they don't they're not a appointment tv i think what you want is that you're your week in week out people want to go want to see this and i think in those windows when it becomes a development competition uh, you lose that and while it does, you, people will say oh come and see the next big thing that doesn't sell yeah, I'm just thinking
0: that you know the, the the game management protocol, which is so successful for Ireland, like that's the reason the big players aren't playing. Like you know that that won't change, so I don't see why the product will be that drastically different, even with the South African team. Like, will the will the front line guys even be playing against the Bulls and the Sharks?
2: Depends what time of the season yeah. it is. But there's no direct. I mean, the, during the previous time, there was like five or six games during the Six Nations and the Autumn Internationals. So that's the obvious times where the internationals are away. That's gone now. So you would hope that. Yeah. they will play but they, i mean europe will still be the focus i think with less games as well though like you you've less of a window to make a mistake you
1: know yeah. what i mean so i i think there's a chance that you could be, you could well be forced to play some of your internationals because you can't take a risk because you might not qualify uh, because there's only a few slots and that's going to be the reality but i think that's you know it becomes more of a risk you've got to be braver now to pick those younger guys uh would be my view on it i think that's fairly obvious so um yes the, the the protocols might might hinder uh the international involvement if they're winning all the games but if they're not winning all the games that might change and that might be the new reality for them if they're uh you know if you get a bad away you know if you get a bad draw of games away to kind of pretty good teams plucky teams that are hard to beat uh you, you know you've got you still got your two uh you know inter pros that are you know your home and away inter pros that 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 could still be pretty challenging and now you've got better South african teams that are not a gimme um i don't know i i think it sounds like it it actually it might draw players in based on the fact that you know you have to play them if you want to qualify because otherwise well you know the heineken cup was always you know that was always that was always the pinnacle and always has been for the for the irish clubs if you're not qualifying for that i mean that's that's catastrophe um so yeah i think it might force them to do that well I, I do get the point about the player protocols but they might say well lads if we've got no heineken cup yeah. um you know or the equivalent whatever it is then you're you know that that could change the the picture for people so yeah i, I
0: don't know and and another kind of element of the announcement was just, this is african clubs after next season can qualify for the champions cup and go into european competitions like you know what, what are you are you happy with that would you like to keep it just the european teams like what do what do you think suppose if you're bringing them into league, you kind of have to bring them into europe or else it's kind of a bit oh no definitely i
1: think it's great yeah i mean look i'm not um yeah i know it's a, it's a it's a european competition but uh look that's to my mind that's i'm not hung up on on it being european only like i think the south african time zone like i think that's really difficult competition for them the super rugby you, you hear them low like how many players they lose not just off the financial stuff and that is obviously a huge consideration um but also because you know the the the, the implications and the uh, you know and, and the challenges that you face being away from family and friends and playing in different time zones it's pretty demanding on your body and i think they all say that that's a, another reason on top of why they they find it a real challenging competition and why they often leave at african clubs so um yeah like I, I think it'll be good for them i think it's if it's good for them it's good for international rugby i think they're good for the competition as long as they you know ha- and they do i think we're well, we'll still i suppose we'll see over the next year or two i think they've still got some quality teams there and i think they'll add to the competition i think that's what you want you want to have um you know good teams coming into the competition and yeah sh- showing the crowd something different i'm not sure that the competition's tired but i don't I don't know if it's engaging as much as many people or maybe it doesn't feel like it's engaging as many people as it, as it was prior. Like say your Munster heyday, you know, Leicester at the, at the height, your Toulouse at the height. I know they had a good year this year. Maybe it was because the crowds weren't around, but I don't know. I just feel like the competition probably hasn't engaged as much. And this could be another way of saying, geez, you know what? I, I wouldn't mind seeing how Leinster get on against the Bulls or how, you know, La Rochelle play against the, you know, Natal or sorry, the Sharks, whatever they're called now. So, um, uh, you know, th- to my mind, they're good teams and they would engage me and I would tune in for them. Now, I might tune in anyway, you say, but uh, I think it, it might g- grab an audience that maybe wouldn't be as interested in seeing that. Kind of the
0: versus the sea- seashell, sharks. Yeah, a bit of a tongue twister. And the <laughs> called, yeah, oh uh, um, And Rod, just to wrap up on on this part of it, you know, i will be interested to hear, like, financially for the teams... Obviously, there's a boost in terms of the South African involvement, but they're losing a couple of home games a year, and for teams like Leinster, like Munster, who would have big fan bases, like that, that, that can't be, you know, easy either. Because like they, they, you know, have season ticket holders, like that, that would be less money in the pocket as well. So I'm sure. I think was it in your piece? It was like a, a slight financial increase potentially. It was. I'd just be interested to hear that. What your thoughts are on that part of it?
2: Well, I think that the, the access to the funds um, from the TV deal in South Africa covers off some of that i think the, the access to funds from they're going for a dual sponsorship model so guinness are gone i think from next season but they've got a sponsor in the southern hemisphere lined up for south africa and they're hoping to they, they, they seem to be close to getting one for up here as well um and i think from talking to mc i think the idea of less game fewer games but better games will hopefully um you know they won't see a drop off in season tickets but also they'll, they'll pick up a lot more in walk-ins and and that, that's what they hope to do anyway. So they don't see it as as a risk in that in that way. Um, I do think that the, I, I, from like you know I'm obviously not a huge fan of Pro 14. I haven't been. I've been critical over the last couple of years. I think we have seen crowds for those games during the Six Nations and stuff dwindle. I don't think they were ever that valuable to the the problems. Is really they just kept the kept the show on the road. And of course there is scope for like a secondary competition or something like that that you maybe play like Leinster playing the or- in Donnybrook and Munster playing Irish dependent or Munster uh, in Musgrave Park as it is now. And you know, you kind of keep the, the you know, you sell a few tickets for those and you keep the show on the road. I, I don't know what they're gonna do with those. So um like they're the I don't need that I don't think the losing those games is gonna cost them an awful lot. Um albeit we're losing a couple of European games. And one thing with the South Africans coming to Europe, I don't know how they're gonna work the the December, January element with the the height of summer in South Africa. Um like I don't can't see teams going down there at that time of the year and, and, and playing away games. That's going to be quite, pretty difficult. Even
0: the short turnaround, like how do you do a back to back in South Africa and come straight up and play? You know, in a, in the southern or the northern hemisphere rather.
2: Yeah, I think that's more doable, especially like They, they, they would say they've been doing that for years, going to New Zealand across massive time zones, and and it's not as bad if you know flying business class and arriving at you know in the in the, in the same in the same uh, time zone. I don't. I think that's more doable. I mean, I don't think it's ideal, but but um. But I do think there are challenges. That's meant to be a massive deal, seriously, lords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I wouldn't underestimate that one. Yeah, but I think that that'll be a challenge. Like there is logistics in 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 it bringing a southern hemisphere team into a northern hemisphere championship because the seasons are different. They're different. Like that's that's a challenge they will have to overcome. And Europe is changing as well. I don't know if people like that was that was announced today as well. So that, that we've got four pool games and and a la- two-legged like, last sixteen, quarterfinal, semi-final, final. Um. So that's going to be different what, as well what do you
1: but, make of the two-legged um the the whatever last 16
0: i've never been convinced of, of two legs and rugby. to be honest yeah we haven't got enough of a chance we've only really seen it in the championship i think it's pro- thrown up some good games my thing about having it at the last 16 stages you're like you're basically penalizing someone for winning their pool or not if not penalizing them you're not giving them any incentive. so say leinster Munster, whoever topped their pool their opponent get a home game as well so i don't see I feel like they're not really getting any advantage. I think it would have been better to bring it in a quarterfinal stage, potentially, or even better at semifinal and final four. Because semifinals have kind of struggled before COVID and getting a big crowd at these neutral venues. This would be a way of giving two home games and kind of ensuring two packed houses. I think it would, t- would have ticked a lot, lot of boxes, but th- the last 16 doesn't make any sense to me. You could have some massive mismatches, potentially, like a real high seed playing a weaker team, someone who hasn't qualified there on merit. And absolutely hosing them in the first leg, and then you have another week, and you're like, you know, do we, like what do we wait? Whereas the semi-final stage, you're pretty much guaranteed, more or less, to have an evenly competitive game going into the second leg. That's that'd be my thing. I'm a fan of it. I'm a real big fan of making the knockout stages bigger and shortening the pool stages because I agree, Luke. i have gotten a little tired, but I'm just not convinced about last sixteen uh, knock or two leg at all.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's too soon as well. Will be my view on that one. Um, I think it will. There will, of course, be a few good ones, but I think generally. If there is teams that are a lot better, um, you know, you could see a few dead rubbers there instead of in the pools. That's what I think you'll see. You know, if if someone, if if someone hockey someone away from home and they know they're coming home, they're a good bit better. You could see them chance it and feel the weakened team. Yeah, like it uh, and leave all their lads on the bench to say, look, if there's a problem, you lads can come on and dig us out of a hole. Um, But we don't anticipate that happening. And all of a sudden you're kind of, you end up seeing those, the academy lads out playing the second leg of it so that that is the danger of that and also you could see that in the pool stages where people are saying well look i know i've qualified because there's a home and away doesn't really matter at this stage um you know because we're already two and it's a home and away so yeah it, 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 it does throw up those problems you know you do hope obviously they're hoping that you know you do see two really great games and two packed houses if it's a tight game in the first one but the reality might be different than that
0: I think they might have been seduced a bit this year by some of the matchups in the last 16 but you know it was a curtail pool stage after two rounds so there was a few odd ones that probably wouldn't have been like that had it played out over four weeks yeah you know, Munster Toulouse wouldn't have played each other if they had done the full four games it was obviously an absolute cracker at home park but just think of semi-final stages I mentioned the issue with the crowds you know half empty stadiums in the UK imagine if say Leinster Leinster going back to the Viva, nine points down having to win by ten to get mm. to the
2: final I think that's a good suggestion I think I that it will be will be better and I think yeah I, I completely can see Leinster going over to somewhere like Montpellier and beating them by 30 points in the quarter in the last 16 game and then Montpellier sending them over their S bars the following week and then putting 100 on them you know like that's we've seen that in the back-to-backs of Christmas the all time when Northampton have sent over terrible teams and Bath and a few others and like that's not what you want for your kind of your key window like you know and won't be selling tickets for those Aviva games you will presume the party be there maybe they wouldn't but like you know they're, they're people will waiting to see how the first one goes before they they buy tickets for the second one whereas the semi-final that's a different beast so i think that's but like it's worth a try and i, I think i think various the P C R, they seem to be pretty flexible in, in how they approach these things so if it doesn't work and if there's a way to do it better i think that they will find it um the reason they've reduced the pool stages because the english teams don't and the french teams particularly the english teams don't want to be playing each other so they're trying to get more games against teams from other leagues which i think is is from their point of view i can understand that do you, just an
1: interesting question to you, Rhodes? just that popped into my head there as we were talking about it. and just thinking about probably more generally about the game. Feels like there's been lots of changes in the last year and a half. Do you feel that way as well? Like rule changes, you know, trying to spice things up a little bit, um, you know, different teams and different jurisdictions. I know that's probably a bit longer in the, you know, that in, in, in the tooth in terms of that being an idea, but just generally speaking, like lots of shakeup in rugby. Yeah.
2: What's your sense of why that is? Have you got a view on it? Um, I think it's a culmination of of things that have been happening for a while in in some some um I mean, the Pro Fourteen thing has been happening. You know, they kind of dip their toe in the water with the two um the cheetahs and the yeah. Southern Kings. Like I think the South Africans have long wanted to align on a on a east west basis rather than a north south basis to get on that time zone, and that's the natural conclusion of that. I think there's a global shift. Towards that, so that you've got more basic Pacific conference and an Atlantic conference. Almost, I don't know if that's geographically correct, but you know that you have South yeah. Africa. You know, done done by. I was going to say latitude and longitude, but I'm only going to confuse myself. But um, <laughs> we know, we know you're what you map there behind in the background. <laughs> and you just turn around. I, I know, I do. Yeah, no, no one can see that though. Will we haven't gone video, so. <laughs> um But no, the in terms of the rules and all that. Like, sorry, in terms of the competition structures. Covid, I think, has given an opportunity in some degrees to 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 um, to look at things, and I don't think they've done enough of that. In some ways, you know, I think. Um, but I guess it's a it's a it's a function of the fact that like all the clubs in England are losing money, that the, you know, a lot, a lot of the unions are not making, you know, are are, are struggling. Especially Covid's going to hit everyone really hard, so you have to go and try and 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 kind of stop that bleeding, and you've got to make the sport more interesting and more engaging. And I think I think you're right. Like, say Europe. I don't think that's capturing the imagination in the way it did when you won your Huntington Cups. And, like, that has to be a concern to them. And I think it's really positive, for example, that as well as the Six Nations, now the, the, the United Rainbow... The <laughs> United Rugby Championship. <laughs> <laughs> this is not deliberate. I just keep it we, uh, we, we, we need to let this bed in another week, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. The URC <laughs> is going to be on free Terry TV. That's really good, because that will yeah. bring the provinces onto, like, everyone's TVs every Friday night. And it's not... Like, the guys in there did a brilliant job but it was really hard, like, a lot of people don't have it. And some people aren't even able to, they, even if they wanted to, because the, the Virgin Air dispute. So that was really difficult. And it really made that that competition very obscure. Because even though I was at games and kind of tweeting about them, and no one, like, I got the sense it was really only the hardcore watching. And and that's at a time when people weren't at stadiums. So in terms of the rules stuff, I think there's obviously the safety element. Um, And there's, like, we're between World Cups. I think we always kind of get a bit of change after a World Cup. And, and Joe Schmidt has gone in at, at World Rugby. And, they're trying to fix the breakdown. They're trying to fix the head contacts, and he's trying to do a few other things as well. We saw the captain's challenge. So there's a lot of flux, and I do think, so especially with this um, Northern Hemisphere competition, I think we could do with sticking with something for a while now and, and letting the bed in. Particularly the 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 URC. I think that needs a bit of time. And like no, like, I wouldn't mind seeing a Georgian team added in a couple of years' time and stuff like that, maybe. But I think we got to just like we got to keep it at the same number of teams, the same format, not have conferences next year, and because I think that just um, ekes away at people's interest in the whole thing. And if, if you just don't know how it works or you're not following it that closely, I know there's always a good situation of people who know everything, what's going on, and they really care. But you really you need to be bringing in the people who, who are kind of watching the Euros at the moment and, and who are more casual interest, and That's the kind of thing that I think leaves them behind.
1: Yeah, whenever you're kind of explaining you're losing a little bit, aren't you, about how the competition works? (laughs) I always feel like when you have to actually go and read a document and say, okay, that's how that works, when really you're watching sport and like should be the highest points or the highest highest points scored or the highest points earned in games, and then, as you say, meritocracy deals with the rest. Um, But, yeah, look, I do think it is important that they jazz it up a bit, and it's interesting you talk about the timelines around World Cup and the changes because – it just dawned on me as you were talking, it like it does seem like there's actually quite a lot of changes going on. So maybe that is the impact of someone like Joe in there. Um, But I do think, as you said, there's probably a few things that have been, you know, in the works for a while. As I said long in the tooth, probably not a great expression to describe it. But um, yeah, it does feel like the culmination of some, some fairly hard work over a period of time. So, yeah, interesting. And COVID's probably pushed that through. The finances will do that. You know, when they start getting a bit stretched, you kind of say, mm, OK, well... Jeez, we better do something here and, and, and yeah, grab some I didn't, more items.
2: I, I did mention CBC, like, you know, obviously, yeah. people, like, the, you know, they've massive influence all this. And, you know, they're involved in Pro 14, Six Nations, Premiership. They're buying into the South Africans, apparently. And um, they'll have an influence on EPCR as well through the, the the organizations that they've bought into. So, like, they're obviously private money is now involved in making decisions and they're very quiet about it, but they're obviously having an influence. Mm. And it's it's still
0: a very young professional sport in the grand scheme of things like 1995 is not that long ago, what, 26 years? And when you think about it, the five slash six nations was already in place, like the leagues in England and France were in place. Obviously, they, they started a, a European Cup in 96. It, it evolved after a couple of years. They basically pretty much kept the same format for 20 years there. The Celtic League started no one and we were kind of joking how that's gone through a little bit of change because there was no real built in leagues. But besides that, rugby hasn't experienced a whole pile of change to its main big tournaments. Like the rugby world cup, besides adding a few teams, is broadly the same as it as it was. The Tri nations started in ninety six, Argentina were out in twenty twelve. Like there hasn't been that but much. That's change
1: probably before. been a bit of a failure, Will, isn't it? Like that's probably what. Yeah, and that's where you get into the, this the, the you know, if you are trying to grow the game, it, like, you know, Japan looked like they've emerged. That That's a good one. And Argentina, as you say. But other than that, it's been slow. And the Pacific Islands, to my mind, look like they probably regressed a bit. Um, so, yeah, like the, the game needs to grow. And I think the U.S. and Canada haven't really emerged yet. Like, we were all talking about that. I know there's been some movements around the league in the U.S. But, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting one, you know, and I do think, You know, it is around 26 years at this stage that it's gone pro and that, you know, there probably hasn't been a massive movement. Some of the competitions still work financially for everyone like the Six Nations. um, And you'd have to think for the top teams, Rugby World Cup works for them, too. Um, But that's not to say that, you know, it should be it shouldn't be going better and it shouldn't draw more crowds. I, I believe the game is good enough to draw more people in it um you know so I, yeah i i think it's good to see a little bit of movement interesting to see if it works out and they can they can get those eyeballs and grow the game in places like georgia and that and, and i think the state's the big one and see if that mlb works um you know i think that's something that uh if they can get money in there and there's loads of money in the states um you know can we see them really emerge as a force in 10 or 15 years we hope so because um otherwise i think it'll have been it won't have been a success in terms of growing the game would be my view just thought it was an interesting one to talk about. Sorry to interrupt you No, no, definitely an interesting
0: about. one. And it'll be really interesting to see how it all shakes out as, as we come out of COVID and crowds come back and see what sticks and, and what changes they might make. Just to maybe to come into the final portion of our discussion today, Rudd, the Ireland squad that was announced, I think, was it earlier this week? I can't, it's been sort of a good bit. It's happened yeah, Monday. since Monday, was it? Yeah, um, 37 people in the squad. Andy Farrell opting to rest some of the senior guys. I think we discussed it with you a few weeks beforehand who we might see in the squad and... You know, it's an interesting tack he went. It probably makes sense. There's a couple of senior guys still there, Peter Mani, you know, Van Der Fleer is a bit more experienced, guys like that. But you know, Sexton Healy, Keeler's kept on ice for the summer. Well, you know, what, what did you make of that element of his decision?
2: Yeah, I think it was the right call. Um, I think their chances of getting to the World Cup in 2023 it will be will benefit from um being given this summer off and getting a full pre-season their chances of contributing next season and being the best players in their positions next year like they're they're on central contracts so I think it was the right decision to just give them that that space to go off and enjoy their summers and then come back and, and really give it a proper go and, and protect themselves against injury because there's like it's been a long season those guys I know um Sexton in particular has missed big chunks of it but they started in, like, the, the game started in August 22nd last year, and it's, it's not going to finish for the Lions until August 10th, I think, this year. So it's a long-out stint. And I think it, it then creates space for a next a new generation of leaders who are probably the guys who will be in there in 2023. You know, you're, you're hoping Sexton, Earls, and Healy make it, but they might not, and, and like, given their age, I think you should probably act on the assumption they won't and take it as a bonus if they do. So you want a leadership group around James Ryan and it's quite clear that he's the next Ireland captain in Andy Farrell's mind. It's unfortunate that Gary Ringrose is 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 now out. Did his shoulder to, uh, or his, I don't know how that really happened. Obviously they they must have known something was up on Monday unless he did it on training. But it's really unfortunate that he's out. I really hope he gets he's able to get back in time for pre season and gets a good run of it next year because God he's had a, he's had a really tough run of it with with injuries and and it's it's, it's held him back to a degree. And then yeah, you build around um, James Ryan you. Like Japan's a tough game. Like, I don't think there's any I know they haven't played since the World Cup, but like they're 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 gonna be very, very good. I think they're gonna be very, very strong. And and they could beat the Ireland that Ireland squad in Dublin. I, I think that will give them a real rattle. And then so I think he'll go for a very strong team in that first game. I think he would have started Ring Roads. He would have tried to we would have very had a very recognizable team. And I think most of the debuts will come in that second game against the United States um on July 10th. I think that's fair. I, I think that's a decent approach. I think you use this window to get those players used to the used to the setup. You get you get a few guys capped. You know you get Ryan Ryan Baird to start. You get Craig Casey to start. Maybe you know you keep investing in those players, but you also build your your young leadership group so that when the Lions come back next year, when Sexton, Earls and Healy come back, you have it. You, you've challenged them, so they have to earn their spots back. But also they're now surrounded by a younger cohort of leaders. I think that makes sense. There was. Really, no one. I thought like there was a few that I thought maybe were a little bit unlucky, but there was no outrageous calls. I Hume was one of them, and he got in now because Ringrose was injured. But there was no one really that you could go. Jesus, I'm I'm surprised that he didn't get in. Maybe Luke McGrath, but like Ross Burns, Ross Byrne. yeah, Ross Burns, Billy Burns. Like I don't think I'm yes, I'm Ross over Ross. Well. well, I don't think either of them are going to be the world at the World Cup for us. I know Ross gave a really good interview with you guys a couple weeks ago, and I, I'm like I really admire his determination, but I think. You got to be ruthless. Like I, I don't. I would have had him in, had a Billy Burns, but I think your three out probably for that World Cup as it stands are Johnny Sexton, Harry Byrne, and Joey Carberry. And I think if you want, if if you if that's your plan, I think you need to invest in Harry Byrne and Joey Carberry now. You, you think? Uh,
1: you think Johnny's going twenty twenty three? That's the plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sir, I'm I'm, I'm,
2: I'm, I think he, I think he, he could well as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's, that's the plan. I think, I think you've got to prepare for the inevitability. I think you should prepare that he's not going to be there. And in that case, I would rather have Ross Byrne than Billy Burns in the squad personally. Um, but,
1: that is mind-boggling. Yeah, I don't get that one. Like he doesn't go out like he doesn't even kick the last kick
0: for, for Ulster. You know, Madigan's doing that. That one strikes me as a decision that he made in the Six Nations
2: and he's kind of backing the decision he made kind of thing. You know, I'd actually rather have Madigan in there to be honest. I think I think even even like Madigan has such experience, he's such a good goal kicker, and he's his age profile is very good. If you're talking about a third out half of the World Cup, for example, a guy who can come in and do do a really good job for you. Like I mean I, I, he's not been in the frame at all since he came home, which I think has been a bit harsh. And him. I know he's he's a bit of a closer for Ulster, but he could do that job for Ireland as well, and he's got the experience so. And, and you can stick
1: him in a few different positions. Yeah. It's a absolutely. weird one. Yeah. I mean, I think um that, that one to me boggles a little bit. I'm not maybe I'm just not convinced by um by Billy, Billy Burns. I just yes. don't know about that one. I just don't I don't get that one. I don't get that. That one really is, you know, maybe just it doesn't look good to pick two Lencer guys there, but I don't know. Like I thought Ross was I mean, Ross is really, really good against Exeter for, for, for in, in that game, in a really big game and a tough one. Um, maybe I just haven't seen that of, of Billy. And I think he probably is, looks like a guy who hasn't got a, a, that many opportunities. And the ones he's got have been pretty miserable for the team generally. I think in a lot of that seems to have been, he seems to have got stuck with the bill on that. Um, I, I yeah, I don't know. I feel really bad for him. I I don't get. I I just feel like he, it's like he doesn't fit the eye or something like that. But, um, he's done a super job for Leinster, I think.
0: So yeah, that that that's one to watch. Um, he's only twenty six, so it's not as if it's you know the end of the road or yeah, anything. But
1: like, I think I just don't know. Like you think you need to make it this one. If you're him, you're kind of saying like yeah,
0: what? no, yeah, exactly. If he's, he's not making like this kind of a half development squad in the summer, it, I
1: didn't see anyone else performing well in the quarter final for for any of the other provinces. Um and he steered them through that game brilliantly once Johnny went off and then I think um I actually didn't think he had that bad a game against uh, against La Rochelle. I thought the pack got fairly bullied in that one actually and he again kind of seems to have borne the brunt of that but yeah I don't know Joey probably seems to get the benefit of the bench but I don't think Ross does and I think Ross's kicking as well has been really solid so
2: yeah I don't know yeah I, I don't think it was the deciding factor but I think he has been carrying something because I think we saw did we see Gary Rinnells taking a few kicks while he was still on the pitch in a couple of games so I. I was wondering were they trying to develop a second option, but yeah, fine. Maybe that's what that was then. Sorry, Will. Farrell mentioned mentioned that, but I don't think if he really wanted him, it would have kept him out, but maybe he'll benefit from having the summer off. But I think you're right. If he he wants to be the the, the, the starting out half or, or challenging in November, he really needs to be in there now.
0: And, and Luke, any, any of the other kind of people that caught your eye, like there's some really excited, like, you know, Gavin Coombs, had such a great season. It'd be great to see him there. You know, Robert Ballacoon, another guy who, who's who been playing really well. It's funny, even someone like Will Addison, who, who was playing really well and then had this really long standing injury. He's back in the squad. You know, Tom Daly, good reward for him. You know, the, you know Joey Carberry and Caelan Dorris, two guys who haven't played for Ireland for quite a long time. Like who, who, who are those people? Who's Who are you most excited to see out of those guys?
1: I probably mentioned Joey Carberry because I'm excited to see him in there. Um, I feel like he has always kind of got the benefit of the doubt because we've seen glimpses of what he can produce. So now he gets an opportunity to do it against, well, hopefully Japan aren't one of those teams that are just really good at home soil and they don't fold uh, when, when they come over here in different conditions. But um, I'd like to see him tested. So I hope he, he's he's available and plays in that one against Japan. And I hope he goes well. Um I think. Uh, I, do you know what? Funny. Uh, Rods mentioned, and I, I saw you, Madigan mentioned on today on Twitter, Maybe it was on Instagram or whatever it was. But um, he was a guy who's had some glimpses of a, of someone who could be a very exciting talent. Um, not sure he's got much of a passing game, or I haven't seen it thus far. But certainly from a break perspective, and he's a big guy. He looks. That try against
0: team. lancer in the Pro 12 or Pro 14. Yeah,
1: trial. that try was a really that was. I mean, like, look. He, so he he certainly has a spark there. He, he's in. He's going to be interesting to watch. Balakun caught my eye as well. I mean, I suppose I'm. I, I always take a dim view about wing play, and probably start from your defence and just that you won't give up tries for the uh, you know on the team. I'm really excited to see him play because. He certainly has the the ability going forward. But if we start from the base and the foundation, testing him against, like, Japan do have some very good outside players. I'm looking forward to seeing. And if they play like they did play, they'll be able to get the ball to the wide area. So this could be a really good chance for him, um, you know, in an international jersey to, you know, show his wares, show that he can defend, show that he is a guy who you could rely on, who's going to position himself well, who can deal with a few guys who've got good footwork, and our and our attacking threats and maybe at times he might be left on his own out there. Will he sink or swim? And he'll certainly get the learnings from it, either way. And um, so that, to my mind, is an exciting selection. Now he might be one of the guys who gets the US game. Um, probably more than likely. But, yeah, look, but
0: just we, on that, like when, when you have like a kind of your first choice back three pretty much of Keenan up I'd love to see Balakoon in with the two of the first choice guys to see how he meshes. I like, I know you're probably right. He probably will. Yeah, but
1: that's a way better way of integrating guys. Uh, Joe Schmidt, though, when, when Joe Schmidt was at his height, no one was undroppable. And he always picked young guys who were playing well in training um with senior guys. He never or rare, very rarely did like a, a, tw- a 12 or 13 person change. Um, unless there was like an international break and he was and his hand was forced. He generally what he did was, you know, put maybe four or five guys in on a weekly basis that that proved themselves in training. And that model, as soon as he went away from that at international level and started not dropping guys, I thought that was kind of the end or the beginning of the end for him. But I thought there was a lesson in that, in that that's the way to coach teams. And I think And that's the way to integrate young guys. And he brought on so many young people through the setup and really got them to a place where they were really top class players. Um, And I think, look, combined with his great coaching as well. But I think that that that's what he should be doing in these games is that he shouldn't be. If I was approaching, I wouldn't have, say, like an A and a B team. I'd have a tilt towards an A and a tilt towards a B. So that means maybe 10 guys uh over your a squad as such and maybe you know maybe you you tilt that the other way maybe slightly uh for for the second week you know maybe you have seven of your start of of your a guys starting that match uh with 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 b guys because it just gives people a bit of solidity a bit of you know um you know being surrounded by guys who have a bit of nous who are not overall by the occasion and can guide you through some difficult patches in the game it could be some, it could be something small like a, a word in, in someone's ear it could be the fact that you know you're better callers on the pitch you know better opportunities um and people who understand the pace that over, over international rugby those things all help bed someone in and, and, and keep them calm and help them deliver on their abilities at, at, at the top level so the, to my mind, that's what I do, but I think it might be more the other way, where he does an A-team against Japan, and then just does wholesale changes in, in, in the match against the US, which means that it could be a real challenging day for some young guys, but there might be value in that too.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting just on that point, Like even when we had Josh Van der Fleer on a few weeks ago, his debut was the best case in point, Twickenham himself and McCluskey thrown in with 13, I suppose, more seasoned guys. and. Van der Fleer, I think, I'd probably had a bit of a better day than McCluskey, but his, his kind of, his Ireland career kind of got really jump-started from that experience. So, Rud, from from your perspective, a few other kind of things. There's been a nice kind of reward for, you know, Tom Daly, Ross Maloney, Peter Dooley, guys like that who've been kind of soldiering in the system for a number of years, and, and have kind of gotten a reward for that, as well as some of the younger guys we mentioned potentially getting their first cap.
2: Yeah, um, I think Lusad's an interesting one, because, like, Keenan Healy's not getting any younger, and, and Dave is 32 now as well, so there's a bit of a gap between those two and the level they can get to, to Ed Byrne, Peter Dooley, like Erica Sullivan was out injured. So he, he, he wasn't able to feature to like he, he uh, did a great job on Tiger Furlong for Ulster. So he really, I think he would have got in, but I don't think any of those guys have really put their hand up to be a kind of a Jack McGrath or a, keen healy for example um and i think there's a bit of a concern there within the rfu about where is their next loose head coming so i like duly i think duly's a really good player and i I often think he should be ahead of ed burn in in the pecking order um i I really like what he brings around the place he's not he's not a good ball player but he's a really good tight five forward so i'd like to see him maybe get it get a go
1: seriously quick runs. is he yeah really quick yeah yeah he's a guy who probably hasn't got to show that but yeah honestly at AIL level, I remember seeing him run in a
2: few 50-yarders. Seriously, he's, he's yeah. seriously quick. Yeah, I, I, I've I always, every time I see him, I like him. I think he's a really good player. So I just, I, I think he's one that I think, having now got in there, could, and Maloney's another one who could actually, because the way he runs line outs and, 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 like, Leinster obviously trusts him an awful lot. He's not, obviously not the, he's not a Ryan Barrett in terms of athleticism or like that, but he, he's a really good player. And like he's one of those that could actually just end up impressing them when he's in there. What I really want to see is Ronan Kelleher start the two games if he doesn't get called up to the lines. Um, I'd like to see Jordan Armour build on Friday night because I think Ireland need Jordan Armour to explode again. And at Stockdale is the same, like there's part of this is probably trying to get lads back to, to full form and, and sort of when you come back to like you're playing the all backs in November, you want to give you know you you want players like these are your generational young talents in the back line who have kind of plateaued a little bit in the last couple of years since the World Cup. You need to get them going again and, is one that like we just haven't seen him like he was so exciting for, for a good while there and, and he the aerial stuff kind of you know took the legs from underneath him so i really like to see him get a good run at it and, and do well like Conway, like there's loads of players who probably deserve a shot at it not all of them are going to get in um coombs is the other one yeah i really want to see coombs get a good chunk of time in this because i think he's he's a weapon like he's like he's the next stephen ferris he has that athletic profile he's huge he's hard to stop he's good footwork. And he's belligerent like he's the only monster player who stood up to Lencer in that pro 14 final he just wouldn't take no for an answer he didn't care about the history he didn't care about any, all of the baggage that the other players were weighed down by and he took the game to them and i think there's something to be said for that so um him and doris in the same background was pretty exciting with van der Fleer. i probably think he'll probably go for peter romani for experience in the first one but i'd like to see coombs off the bench and then start in the following week because i think there's a lot to be there's a lot to be said for getting him involved because he'll cause opposition's problems at that level.
0: Mm, now there's so many different options he could go with. It will be interesting to see how he divvies it up. But in terms of loosehead prospects, Jack Boyle potentially for the Ireland of 20s this weekend. He's really, really good head prop. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was playing for Leinster before long and potentially down in, in a few years' time. Uh, Ireland, who, who knows? Um, but for now, Luke Rudd, thanks so much for joining me. It's Cheers, guys. That's all we have time for this week on the Left Wing Podcast. We'll be back next week with the show. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening, and goodbye.